And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Lais Campbell has blocked three field goals this year. And the kick will not count. Team timeout. Dallas. It's Dallas calling the timeout. So Bailey, who kicked a successful 49-yarder, only to have the timeout by Jason Garrett, force him to do it again, misses. Taco. Only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Cowboys mini camp time, and they're just about a month away from the break for training camp. So we'll get you ready for it. John Michaud has been out there. He's been at the press conferences. He can talk to the quarterback, talk to the head coach. We'll get the full practice report. We've got Saad Youssef off Stars Duty back with us. And I'm Kent producing here. And welcome in to About Them Cowboys. Make sure you're subscribed to The Athletic during the offseason. We've got a lot of fun stuff planned across the NFL vertical. Theathletic.com slash About Them Cowboys gets you the best deal possible there. So make sure you're signed up ahead of the 2022 season. I'm here to welcome in two of the best of the best. When it comes to breaking down all things Cowboys, we've got Father John Mishota, and of course, from the Eagle, it's Kevin KT Turner. Hey, KT. Man, hello. How are we doing? Everyone good? It's been a great Everyone summer good? so far, man. How about yourself? Yeah. Man, just taking advantage of this cold front. Oh, yeah. Um, so, a um, lot to get to, obviously. Um, so, what's the deal, John? They decided to just do one day instead of three days of, 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 of camp? Is that just kind of a... Kind of the new situation now. Look, we added an extra NFL game. Maybe we don't need to go as hard. Uh, what's kind of the story there? Yeah, it's the whole thing's interesting because I was telling somebody when we were watching minicamp practice on Tuesday that there was a time not that long ago where like this was the time of year where you'd see a couple of guys puking during practice, you know, like whether it's because adjusting to the heat or uh, just because they weren't, you know, younger guys not used to how the practice was going to go and stuff like that. Well, now it's like they barely even practice outside when it's hot. It's inside, you know, it's just helmets and, and, uh, and, you know, t-shirts and shorts and stuff like that, or well, jerseys and they're, you know, it's no one's being tackled. No one's being hit. Like, I mean, yeah, DBs are trying to pick off some passes, but there's also drills where like the DBs are pulling up. And so the pass is being completed and I'm seeing people tweet about this great play that happened. I'm like, the drill wants you to be that play. Like that was, and this he was being checked by a DB that's not going to be on the roster probably in in late July, let alone it. Like so, let's pump the brakes in. Like there's just very little to take away where you're just all of a sudden blown away. I can give you a great example. I don't know. Go back and look through everybody's stories and tweets. Like, did anybody tell you last year during rookie minicamp, minicamp and OTAs about how great Micah Parsons looked? I mean, it just is not a great time to in- indicate any of those type of things. Um, but. And I know some people will listen to this and think that, 
oh man, Cowboys are soft. They're trashing the, oh, you know, Michelle is trashing the Cowboys. You know, they're, they, they don't go hard or whatever. They're also one of three teams last year that got penalized and lost a practice this year in OTAs because they went too hard last year. So this isn't a Cowboys thing by any means. This is an NFL thing. You know, they're NFL. They're putting these changes in like, like, for example, on Tuesday, these guys were wearing the extra padding on top of their helmets, and it's a new thing for the NFL, but it's a very common thing in college football, and it's so even in these walkthrough practices, if guys are banging helmets and stuff like that, it reduces their chance for uh, concussion, and, and they're going to be wearing them in training camp now and things like that. I mean, it's all about trying to be safer this time of year, and so because of that, though, for my job, it takes away from a lot of, like, man, this play really caught your eye or this player really whatever. So a lot of stuff you're going off of is, yeah, this guy looks a little bit leaner. Yeah, this guy looks a little bit quicker. Uh, it kind of sucks that this guy isn't practicing right now. You know, we're kind of hoping to see something from him. So it's more about kind of that stuff. And so it didn't surprise me today when they didn't end up going. They did a team building thing. It looks like from social media posts that I've seen that they went to Top Golf over in the colony um, right. and, and just kind of did like a team type deal like that. So Jason Garrett did that stuff in the past. It's one of those things where, you know, it's just kind of get the guys together, do some meetings and then go off and, you know, do something like that. And so their mini camp, instead of being three weeks is, is only, I mean, three practices in one week, it's, it's only one, one day. And it was, and it was yesterday. And Dalton so Schultz uh, did the whole, uh, literally got there just so he's it's literally the Marshawn Lynch thing. I'm just here. So I don't get fined. Like I, I saw the, uh, I saw like him show up and then not do anything. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and I don't know what that really accomplished anyway. I don't know. I just I'll be honestly, I'm I'll be kind of surprised if he signs a long term deal this this between now and July fifteenth. I think the Cowboys are fine with him playing under the franchise tag and just rolling with that. And if you know some by some chance that him like it's not going to be his agent. Dalton is a really sharp guy. I mean, you know, he when we ask him questions, he's going to say stuff like I leave that up to my agent. Dalton's very heavily involved. I mean, he's he's just. He's one of the sharper NFL players and professional athletes that that are out there. He's been the Cowboys player rep for the uh, when they do the NFL Players Association meetings and things like that. Like he's very in tune with what's going on. He knows the whole deal. So I think the only way a long term deal gets done between July now and July fifteenth is if he says, "Hey, I'd rather have the stability. Let me take a little bit less money." And you see him take a deal that you're like, "Oh wow, that's pretty team friendly." That's the only way I see it get done. I don't think that's going to happen, by the way. And and if I was him, I wouldn't do that either. I'd play this thing out, get my $11 million, And just the way that this team's structured, I don't see why his numbers won't be at least the same or in the same vicinity as they were last year. And if they are, a guy like that, even if you don't think that he's a great like vertical seam threat or the best blocker, some team will. And some team will give him a lot of money yeah. next year in free agency. So I think that both sides are... are I can see where both sides are coming from, but I ultimately think it, it leads to him playing under the franchise tag this year. There's definitely a position too, where I don't think the Cowboys should even start messing around with long-term money. Unless you know that you have a Kelsey uh, Kittle, a Mark Andrews, Waller. if you want to, if you want to throw Waller, Oh my God. Yeah. If you want to throw Goddard in there, whatever you can start throwing names in there, even Goddard, I'm, I'm a little you know uneasy about the, um, no, but hey, KT, real quick on that. When you start looking at these tight ends, man, when you when you do the list, it is like the quarterbacks in the NFL. We were just like, all right, well, every team doesn't have a good one, and yeah. almost half the league doesn't have a good one. Like there just is like it's it's not a, so. I mean, it's great for the tight ends because it's going to get them paid, and, and we've already seen like the David Njoku's and stuff like that. Like their price is going to keep going up because of how the games change, and you're not getting these co these college tight ends are either blockers or they're the you know seam type you know 
almost wide receiver type guys to find these elite guys that can do both is just it's it's rare. It's it's very rare. And Dalton Schultz's production has been incredible. We all know that. Um, it's so it's amazing because the Miami did the same thing to uh, Mike Jasicki, and they're very comparable. Uh, except Jasicki's probably more of a bigger big play guy. Kind of he'll make the acrobatic catch every now and then and things like that. Uh, if Tua doesn't always put it on the money, but you know they franchised him too, and it's like. Now they obviously had some cap maneuvering, and they got Tyreek Hill in there, and they they've done a lot of things in Miami to kind of make that work. But I was just thinking about like once you've paid your quarterback, um, and then you've got some other you know things in your on your cap that you've uh, that you've done. Like I just don't know if it makes sense. And if if Schultz goes out, goes out and has eighty catches, and uh, you find another element to his game that you've unlocked and didn't know, and Dak is like, I gotta have my guy. Well, then maybe you can readdress. You're not married to Jake Ferguson. You know, you don't have to be married to Jake Ferguson, but you would like to be married to Jake Ferguson on a rookie deal for a few years. So I think it's all I think it's all interesting. I think it's all fun. And Dalton Schultz is a good guy. I'd like for him to get his get his money. But uh I just don't think it makes sense from a from a team building perspective to go all in early on a tight end that does what he does. And I mean that in a good way, not a bad way, just like going to need a little more, you know? Yeah. And I think, I, I think for me, it's, it's not about the position. It's more about the role on the team, right? Like, like if you're talking, if you're going back to like 20, 2012 and you're talking about a tight end for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, like, yeah, you want to lock him up no matter what, because no matter what receiver, no matter what running back is on the team, that's your number one option. Dalton Schultz, like at best is a number four option in the offense after, um, after CD, Gallup and uh and and Zeke and Pollard and and you know all those guys so like I like I don't know like I, I just feel like you know it's more about the role that you play on the team because we all talk about how tight ends are quarterbacks best friend and that's absolutely that's absolutely true again you go back to the role Witten played for Romo but the role that Schultz plays in this offense with Dak I just don't feel is what he necessarily warrants that's why that's why he is going based on the tight end market in the NFL, which is his right to do so. That's where he has the most leverage. But the Cowboys are going more on a what your role is in the offense, and it's their right to do that as well. Well, yeah, and, and if you're Dalton Schultz, so you're also going to argue. So you're second on the team last year in targets. CeeDee Lamb had 120, and Dalton Schultz and Amari Cooper both, both had 104. Schultz is second on the team in receptions, only one behind CeeDee Lamb. He had 78, CeeDee Lamb had 79. And then he was second, or sorry, he was third on the team in receiving yards and tied for the team lead with eight receiving touchdowns. So he's going to argue my production's there. And then the other thing that helps his argument is the Blake Jarwin thing. I mean, that was a freak injury. And then so you go from thinking that you're set having Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin for this upcoming season to now all of a sudden it's like you have Dalton Schultz, and then Jeremy Sprinkle, Sean McEwen, and Ferguson. You know, like, so he's in a great leverage spot there uh, to be like, hey, you guys need me because, like, I don't know, are you guys going to be really surprised if he has 10, 11 catches these first couple games when Gallup's not there? Like, I mean, we think Jalen Tolbert and James Washington are going to be able to step in and, and do some stuff. But, like, if you tell me those first couple of games against good teams in, in Tampa Bay and in Cincinnati – that it's CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz leading the way and getting the majority of the touches. Like, I wouldn't be surprised by it, mainly because those are probably the two guys that Dak feels the most comfortable with. 
Yeah, I guess if you're projecting forward, you know, we had 78 catches last year, 105, 104 targets, you said. I think 78 catches. Yeah. Boy, that sure does feel kind of like the ceiling, though, doesn't it? It like, does, but even if that's your ceiling, I mean, that puts him in all those categories. It's got to be, in terms of yeah. production, it's got to be top five or six in all those categories for all tight ends in the NFL. Like, the only tight sure. ends that are putting up better numbers than that, or it did last year, are probably Waller, Kittle, and Kelsey. You know, and then, oh, and uh, Andrews, you know, maybe? Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews probably did too, yeah. yeah. Mark Andrews probably had the best numbers, actually. Um, and then, you know, yeah, so... And, and and don't get me wrong, I think those tight ends are all better. And if those guys were in this position, I think the deal gets done. Yeah. You know, but I don't think that he's looking to take a team friendly deal, which would get this done. And it is funny though, because you just always get the sense that the Cowboys feel like these guys are gonna take team friendly deals and no one's really taking a team friendly deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh let's inflation, talk inflation, man. Right. Yeah, inflation. No, but I'm even going back. <laughs> I'm going hey, I'm going I'm going back to before these gas prices got out of control. I'm talking about Jalen Smith didn't take a team friendly deal. You know, I guess you could say Lyle Collins did to a certain extent. Uh, Tyron Smith's deal is definitely team friendly. That 10 year deal he signed. Um, uh, but like Zach Martin's is pretty competitive. Obviously Dak didn't take a team friendly deal. Zeke didn't sure. take a team friendly deal. Uh, Tank. Amari Cooper, maybe a little bit, you know, yeah. Tank's first one was, was whatever. But anyway, what I'm getting to is that you're crazy. If you think that Trayvon Diggs or Micah Parsons <laughs> are about to be taken or, and CD yeah. lamb are taking team friendly deals. They're not get ready. Um, let's talk a little bit about Dak. Um, uh, I think, like, obviously the big thing that was getting all, all the headlines is uh, the idea of him running the ball a little bit more. You know what the first thing I thought of was not the the leg injury. It was not – it was like, okay, fine, he's going to run a little bit more. We kind of knew he might take it a little easier last year and his year back. I immediately thought about fumbles, though. Um, because I'm cool with it. Like, the, the whole three times a game, four times a game, that's great. So, since Dak's been in the league – he has for quarterbacks the sixth most fumbles with 48 and 24 of those being lost. That's in his, you know, that's just the last six years, right? So since he's been in the league, so he's the sixth most fumbles. I was always kind of like, man, that's a, that's kind of a lot. I mean, he had a year where he had 14 fumbles. Yep. Uh, oh yeah. Last year. Um, he's also sacked the eighth most amount of times of quarterbacks in that five year span. So it's kind of like, okay, well, part of it kind of all goes back to what we were talking about. Like, well, if you have a good offensive line and you can protect him, then maybe these bad things won't start happening to the offense. So I started going back in the whole cycle of things that we talked about at the end of the year last year. Yeah, and I don't think of when when we talk about that and I write something about it, I'm not I'm not trying to say that he's going to all of a sudden be running, you know, six, seven times a game and it's going to be a major part of their offense. I just, he looks leaner and he looks quicker than he was last year at this time. And there were just times last year where it's not even about the called runs and not whether you're calling them or not. It just, there were times where the pocket collapsed and two or three years ago, Dak would have gotten away from it. And he had a hard time getting outside the pocket and doing that during some, no, Hey, this isn't just the ankle. This is, you know, he, then he gets the calf injury uh, up in new England and then he just isn't right when he comes back after that. So there's a lot of things there. So yeah, when I, say that and you read that other places and people talking about that, like, yeah, I don't think anybody should confuse that all of a sudden they're going to go back to the way Dak ran his, his rookie year. And obviously certainly not how he ran at Mississippi state, but he, him being more mobile will help him one extend plays down the field. But then two is, you know, I think that it could really help the running game 
I'm talking like, you know, deep red zone, like inside the five yard line. If you could bring back some of that read option, there was none of that last year that was effective. There was none of those like where Dak might keep it here or he might pitch to Zeke or Pollard. Like there was just not any. And if you can just bring back a little bit of that, that the defense has to worry about from here, here and there, I think that, that, that could be an interesting wrinkle that could maybe help the running game, particularly in the red zone. But yeah, I'm not trying to like put up, having Dak on the field is way more important than getting a couple extra first downs because you decided to run him a couple more times. Like, I don't think it's going to change tremendously. And to be honest with you, if, if nobody wrote any of these articles, I don't think when we go through next season, you're going to be like, when the season's over, you know what? I th- you could just tell Dak ran the ball a lot more. It's not going to be anything significant, but he does look, he does look leaner. He does look quicker. He looks in better shape in terms of mobility than he did last year. Last year, you could tell, there were just like little things. He just wasn't as quick, quite as quick as, as he had been in years past. And I think that that's back now. Yeah. And I think, I I think also with that, like there's definitely an aspect to that with play calling with the way that, like you said, they want to use Dak and everything. There's also some of that we've talked about this for years, you know, just no matter what platform, um, you know, you look at that Dak also just has to learn how to, where to pick his spots. um, and, And then also how to execute those. Like, Remember that Falcons game last last year? You don't you don't need to be playing linebacker in the fourth quarter, running into the end zone in that situation. Like that doesn't really help your case. I think um, you go back and look at the way Russell Wilson has done so much, how much he did in Seattle. A lot of that learning how to slide because there was a time Dak just flat out didn't even know how to slide. Like it looks so awkward and bad um, whenever he slid. So I think all those things. For the most part, like it's the thing that you're talking about, John, just like it's just not going to be that that much. But even when even in the small doses that it does come, like I hope Dak does realize that, you know, when you're up 20 in the fourth quarter against a terrible team, you're not lowering your shoulder and trying to get into the end zone over a linebacker and a safety. Yeah, and, and even in a big game and even in a close game, that doesn't need to happen. I mean, it doesn't need to happen. I mean, the exact play here at his ankle on that doesn't need to happen. You can go down right there. As soon as, soon as you, you, the, the defender's there, three, four yards, that's fine. You don't need to fight for that sixth, seventh yard against the New York Giants and then you know put yourself in that position because you're trying to get two, three extra yards. Get out of bounds, get down and slide, you know, live to play another down. You know, that's the type of stuff that and, – and it's also interesting that you've got to kind of factor in because – I don't know about you guys, but I'm not sold that this offensive line is going to be great. You know, I think it's going to take some time for that unit to gel. Uh, yeah. And so there could be some times early on where he needs to run a little bit and get down and slide just because there's a, the pocket is collapsing way earlier than he's, than he's expecting it to. Uh, yeah, his career average 3.6 carries a game. Um, if it's three between three and four carries a game, it's probably spot on. Now, uh, in your article, John, um, yeah, there's a, there's a quote that you have of Dak talking about how he just don't like it lost a little bit, kind of that baby fat, just kind of getting a little bit more lean. And he, he mentioned that Taco Bell and McDonald's were kind of a, a mandatory meal for him in college. What was your mandatory college, uh, college thing that you, you know, meal that you know, you're not eating right, but you got to save a little money. Do you have a, a guilty uh, pleasure there? Uh, I'm 40 and unfortunately I'm still eating that way today. Uh, so I wouldn't say <laughs> McDonald's, great, I wouldn't say McDonald's and, and Taco Bell, but I've been blessed with some decent metabolism. So, uh, like the stuff I was eat, like the Chipotle still going after it right now. Uh, probably eat way too much Whataburger. Uh, I'm trying to think what was I eating in college that, yeah, I mean, I probably was doing more of the McDonald's and Taco Bell, like, like he was saying. Um, but I'm not this 
you know, make a bunch of food at home person either. So I still eat a decent amount of Jersey Mike's and, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was all Taco Bell for me. That was, that was the big one. But like, the thing is, is like, I recently went, I don't eat at Taco Bell anymore, but like I went recently with a friend and he got like a meal at Taco Bell and I was like, it's so expensive now. There's like, there's not really a dollar menu at McDonald's <laughs> or a ta- or a Taco Bell. So I'm like, yeah. At the end, like, I'd rather just go get my sushi for the same amount. So they hide uh, it. They hide it so you can't see it. They'll put it on like the top left exactly. or something. You know, like in small <laughs> font. You know, they don't want. Yeah. They don't want to advertise their cheap options. <laughs> but that's why you go to Taco Bell because you get a ton of stuff for like four. I bucks, never understood you know? Taco Bell. Like, it's like a you get a regular taco soft taco and it's like a dollar 50 but you can get like the five layer burrito for like 89 cents <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what it makes zero sense yeah. to be at all cool throw that sour cream on there and just ruin it for me thanks you can do, you can go ahead and just keep my money in the taco i don't want it gross they, they got some good bits over there what about you kent do you have a guilty uh college uh adat- what's it called a dac meal oh man in college for me it was totally pizza um, pizza and burgers. There's like a burger place on uh, TCU's campus called Dutch's. I'm sure you guys are familiar if you're mm-hmm. familiar with the area. Excellent. I would hit that up almost daily for lunch. And then, uh, you know, a little pizza at night with the roommate. But uh, I was a big slow cooker guy in college, though. So I'd put like food in the crock pot and then go to class for like eight hours and then come home and do that. But now I'm so wow. lazy. I'm way lazier now than I was when I was in college. That's for sure. That feels very responsible. That seems way too responsible. Oh yeah, you throw a little, throw some potatoes and uh, you know a little pork chop in there, and then set it and forget it. You know what I'm saying? Guy toured the world in a rock band. He kind of knows. Uh, how Dude, to, KT, uh, the to amount to of Cheez-Its and hot pockets, and like that'd probably be my college right there. Is touring and and living off hot pockets, Capri Sun, and Cheez-Its <laughs> for like three years. Yeah. Well, John, you mentioned the offensive line. Uh, let's talk about Connor McGovern and Tyler Smith and one of the most highly anticipated uh, position battles in the history of sports, the Cowboys <laughs> left guard position. Um, everything seems, uh, seems good for those, those guys, positive reviews from, uh, you know, just the uh, limited amount of work that was done this week. Yeah. I mean, they're going to put Connor McGovern in there and give him opportunities. He's a veteran. Uh, this OTAs and minicamp is to try and bring the rookies along and let them get caught up on things so that when they get to training camp in late July, that they can hit the ground run and know all their you know assignments and not be held up because of that. They can just play and keep going on to the next play. And so it's not that surprising when Connor McGovern's getting runs with the ones at left guard. That doesn't mean that week one, that's going to be the case. Like I, I maintain if everyone's healthy, that starting lineup week one is going to be Tyler Biotish at center. Zach Martin and Tyler Smith are going to be your starting guards. Terrence Steele, Tyron Smith are going to be your starting tackles. And Connor McGovern will be the guy that he'll be ready to come in if they need a backup center. They need a backup at right guard, left guard. He'll come in there. Um, but I, I will say, while I sit there and I think Matt Willetsko and Josh Ball will continue to see them work with the twos, uh, throughout training camp at offensive t- at the both at the right and left tackle spot, I think that if let's say six games into the season, Tyron's back starts flaring up or something like that, and they're like, we're gonna have to sit him down for the rest of the year; he can't play. I wouldn't rule out Tyler Smith moving out to left tackle and then being like, "Well, we're going with it now." And believe me, there will be growing pains. But I'm just saying that I wouldn't be surprised if they went 
that direction. We saw on uh, Tuesday a lot more Tyler Smith working at left tackle. You know, the week before that in, in OTAs, we saw him getting more work at left tackle. As long as Tyron's healthy, there's no sense for anyone to be playing left tackle other than Tyron Smith. But if he's not, then all of a sudden you're sitting there going in and, and you know he's going to be out for a while. You're like, what's my best option? Ball, well, let's go, or Tyler Smith. And I think they'll be like, well, let's just speed up the process. Let's start putting Tyler out there, move Connor McGovern in the left guard. But there's still going to be a lot of moving pieces. And every day I can see different combinations once we get out to Oxnard, just because this isn't set in stone. This isn't going to be anything that's solidified until, I mean, obviously Terrence Steele and, and Zach Martin are. But I mean, we get to camp and, and Tyler Biotish isn't playing well at center. There's there's nothing that says that he's completely locked up that center job. They can you might see yeah. McGovern getting snaps there. You might see Farniak getting some snaps there with the ones. Like none of that would surprise me. So, uh, which oh hey by the way I thought was interesting. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that the Dolphins have officially moved Connor Williams to center. So that's nuts, man. Yeah, we'll see how that works that. out. Yeah, they're they're betting a lot on that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Kent's got some audio. I was, I was your uh, yeah. Mike McCarthy on uh, Connor McGovern. Yeah. So this this is uh this first cuts here on, on McGovern. We also have a Tyler Smith one too. KT. Oh cool. Well, I think Connor's done an excellent job. I think like anything, you, you control what you can control, and and uh, we have so many players, and he's he's one of them right there. That you know we have the captains' workouts. The February, you know, these guys have been here since February and Connor's one of those guys so this is clearly the best shape he's been in it's the strongest he's been in the numbers that he's pushed is you know his, his body index all those all those components of uh are really what you look for and he's you know he's he's maxed out uh, this time of year to get ready for the competition I go back to this uh John the fact that the McGovern pick was staring them in the face you know I always think of that when I think of Connor McGovern if he's in the best shape he's been in and if He's peaking. Why isn't he he's starting? Yeah, because that's they're just saying that they're hoping that that happens. But I mean, if we're all if they're being honest, probably this coaching staff just doesn't love him as much as the coaching staff that drafted him. And he's under contract mm. and he's a third round pick. And, you know, and when I say coaching staff, I mean, it really comes down to Joe Philbin. If Joe Philbin, Joe Philbin loved Terrence Steele. And so Terrence Steele slowly working his way in starting lineup at right tackle. And then Lyle Collins got suspended and it just probably that probably wasn't loved by Joe Philbin either. And so Joe Philbin's job's on the line and Mike McCarthy trusts him. They've worked together for a long time. So as much as it's probably a collaborative thing, there's probably a lot that it just comes down to give me the five that Joe Philbin wants the most out there. And my, uh, and McGovern's probably not one of those, you know, if it was, I don't see the absolute need to have Tyler Smith, out there right now with the yeah. ones at all, you'd be like, yeah, we, we, I mean, you could still take Tyler Smith in the first round, but you're like, we're going to work him in with the twos. He's going to be our swing tackle this year, but he's the Tyron Smith of the future for us. But left guard is Connor McGovern's or center is Connor McGovern's. We haven't heard yeah. any of that. Haven't seen any of that. Yeah. No reason to believe that any of that will happen. I feel like, um, there, that would be yeah. a nice little trade piece. They don't find a spot for him. Maybe. Yeah, see, I don't think so because I, I think that he, I think the depth is good there. If you he's your, a, yeah. Who, who's behind can, him on the depth chart? Yeah, but well, that's because, well, no, I can who, get is, who is it? Oh, it, well, it's a, it's a combination of guys like Matt Farniak would be one of those guys. Okay. He would be, he would be somebody that would factor in there. Um, I would say, man. Maybe Are you talking Alex about center Lindrup? or guard? Well, right, I'm, I'm, I'm both because there's not any, okay. there's not many okay. guys behind him that you're just like, 
they got this guard behind them that like, you know, like, like, yeah. Oh, here comes Ron Leary. Like this guard's going to step in there, whatever. Like that's kind of who Connor McGovern is. Like you just, I mean, they've been working Isaac Ellercon at guard. I don't, you know, that's, you think they're putting Isaac Ellercon in a game? I um, doubt it, but you know, maybe yeah. he's made some strides. They don't have any options. They need to keep him, I guess. I mean, I'm just going to tell you off the, off the, off the roster that they gave us on Tuesday, the most up-to-date roster that they have. These are the guys that have G next to their name. Isaac Alarcon, Connor McGovern, Zach Martin. Yikes. That's it. Let's not act like Zach Martin is was uh, the most healthy guy last year. Yeah. He got pretty beat up last year, and right. Um, he he has I mean, he has talked multiple times this offseason though about how he does he is he's changed up some things in his offseason and things like that, and that this is the best he's felt in several years. Good. So. Uh, I, I don't think you have to worry about Zach Martin. I really don't. Um, All right. Here's the um, here's centering the, left guard. That's a different story. Here's the cut on uh, this is Tyler Smith from the uh, head coach, Watermelon Mike. Uh, I think the biggest thing, I mean, you know, I, I, I think when you look at the offseason program training, uh, the, the, the group that is um, handcuffed the most is the offensive line. Uh, I, I, that's, that's been going on for a long time this time of year. So, uh, you know, I think his understanding, the footwork, the newness, uh, you know, all, all the particulars of the huddle command and all that, so that, that's been good for him. I mean, every young guy has to go through that. Uh, he's getting more and more comfortable. You know, we've, we've repped him both at the guard and tackle position. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's a little more comfortable at guard right now. So um, he, he's done a lot of good things. And, but as I said earlier, the install phase is a challenge for all the rooks. Got to get him up to speed mentally, and then it sounds like he's there physically. I've heard, seen a lot of stuff, John, on Twitter about the dude just, I don't know, laying guys out and holding his own and having heavy hands and all this kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, and all that's great, good. And and but again, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to try and be real about all of this. Like, there's no pads on, and I need to see, I need to see what he does when he's got all the ones out there together. And Micah Parsons is being moved around like crazy to where like they don't even know where he's coming from. Oh, and then when you start playing other teams and these guys are playing for their jobs and they're also some of the best in the NFL, like, you know, the NFL is just a different game. You know, there's just man, you can do um, pads and helmets. You can look real good against some backup guys. And now now you got to deal with Aaron Donald for a snap. Good luck. Go get him. You know, so, (laughs) you know, there's going to be growing pains. It just that. To just think that any of these guys, I mean, there were with Tyron Smith. There was with, actually, I don't remember. I Actually, I don't remember a lot with Zach Martin, but, uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, he was ready, kind of ready to go. Even recently with Terrence Steele. I mean, we saw it. Like, I, everyone groaned last year when Terrence Steele had to come in for Lyle Collins, and then he was, a, he was a pleasant surprise. But to your point, I mean, he wasn't even, you know, drafted or anything like that. But, but still, like you said, growing pains with just the speed and the strength and everything that comes with it, like, um, and we've seen guys come come out fine on the other side, but you definitely have to go through that. And I do think Tyler Smith is going to, he's got a chance to be a really good player. He's got all the measurables and, and, and he seems like a really sharp, like student of the game type guy, good work ethic and all that. I'm just saying pump the brakes on year one. I mean, it's, that's a tough position to be, to be going into if you were the one best D lineman or offensive lineman for Alabama and you went against the best SEC competition for the last four years. You making as a top five pick, elite type, top five, top 10 guys, 
that's a big leap for you to go to the NFL and deal with these monsters that they have rushing the passer nowadays and the way that they get after quarterbacks. So then to be a guy that there's there's some project traits there, like I'm just saying, like, believe me, we're, there's going to be tons of positive things said throughout training camp and whatever, you know, preseason, all that. But, you know, it's we don't really know for sure until they start playing NFL games. So, and hey, maybe the offensive line isn't great and maybe they overcome it and they're just okay. And they they able they're able to perform like that team in Cincinnati did despite not having a great offensive line. You know, hey, who knows? Uh, before we uh, flip it over to the defense, uh, a little bit on – I have two questions. A, a little bit on uh, Tony Pollard. Uh, obviously, a few headlines uh, coming out about the Cowboys talking to him, saying, hey, get prepared. We're going to use you a little more, which that's kind of infuriating to me that that's a conversation that would be had now. And B, uh, Jalen Tolbert, uh, I know he was uh, banged up. Did he get any uh, time uh, with the main group? He did, and, and and they needed him to be out there because CD didn't go on Tuesday, and James Washington didn't go, and then obviously Michael Gallup didn't. So yeah, he, he got to work him with the ones, worked in the slot, worked on the outside. I mean, you see the, the like the traits that he has that makes you think, oh yeah, this guy. Could, but again, wide receiver jumping in with that group, there could be growing pains early on, and and they're going to need him early. I mean, they need him, James Washington, CD. You know, Dalton Schultz all to be at the top of their game early on because you're not going to probably have Michael Gallup, and so yeah, Tolbert was able to work in. Uh, in the mini camp, he worked a lot with the ones, um, but the first two weeks of OTAs, uh, he worked off to the side and didn't, wasn't wasn't doing stuff there. So, it, you know, this next month or so, you know, Dak's going to get together with James Washington and Jalen Tolbert and CD. Uh, you know, times at his house and and his field in the backyard. Uh, they got plans to work out together and spend some time in Florida. You know, just to kind of mix some stuff up instead of just always working out here at the facility and things like that. So. They're going to try and get their timing down there. So I don't want to judge too much right now because we'll know more once we get to training camp. But it was, I mean, just to be honest, it's its disappointing. We don't get to see those guys out there all together, even in these walkthrough type OTAs and minicamp, because one of your biggest storylines is how are you replacing Amari Cooper and how are you replacing Cedric Wilson? And so you're going in thinking, okay, here we go. Let's see how these guys work. It's going to take a little bit of time to get on the same page. And you didn't get to see a ton of it. You got to see, you know, a little bit here and there. So uh, there's just... You know, there's projecting that's going on right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. To your point about the Tony Pollard thing, yeah, Tony Pollard's going to get more touches. He's gotten more touches every single year he's been in the NFL. It's about how many and at what situations and how often is he out there when Zeke's out there. Like, yeah, we've seen him in the slot during OTAs and minicamp, but we've seen him in the slot in previous years. Uh, you know, how much is that going to happen in, in big games too? Like when other teams have to game plan for it, you know, there's a little bit of that, you know, like where are we going to see it in games? It's one thing if you see him out in Oxnard and things like that, are we actually going to see him in games? So that remains to be seen, but I do expect his touches to go up. They, they absolutely should. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call one eight hundred direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, also, um, I'll switch over to defense. My first defensive question for you is, so Calvin Joseph's there, right? Oh, yeah. Calvin Joseph's there, uh, hanging out. He's, you know, working. I, I can't say that he really... There's been any plays that have jumped out to me. I mean, from the cornerback yeah. standpoint, not that anyone's going to be surprised yeah. by this, but Tr- Trayvon Diggs is just, I mean, a monster out there. I mean, he had a, he had an interception on Tuesday uh, in goal, and well, it was it was in red zone drills. I want to say they were working in the far end zone. I'm going to say that they were on like maybe the five, and Dak rolled out to his left. I think he was looking for Pollard, and Trayvon just made this leaping crazy interception at the goal line. That I mean, it just freak show type stuff. So. Again, teams are going to be very cautious throwing anywhere near number seven, but I expect Trayvon Diggs to have another Pro Bowl monster year. Very helpful, uh, you know. And I, th- I thought the um, the Mika Fitzpatrick uh, contract with the with the Steelers today, like going up and paying a safety over fifteen million dollars a year. It's like, man, there's something that would never happen here. Um, but you know, their safety play was pretty good last year, and he got a chance to for it to be good again this year. This is probably the most. <laughs> This is probably the, the most excited I've been about the safety position in, in the entire time I've covered the team. But sorry, go on, side. No, I was just wow. going to say the Trayvon Diggs like sub uh, the the subtext of that conversation in the season is just going to be so much fun for his entire career because you're, he's going to make a lot of like freak show plays and things like that, and then he's going to get he's going to get torched by some really good quarterbacks too because they're going to know exactly how to play him um, and. Unfortunately, in our, I guess, era, we have come to only kind of accept that the good quarterbacks are like, or good cornerbacks are just like shut down Darrell Revis and prime Namdi Asamoa. And it's like, it's like, those aren't the only guys, you know, you have your Asante Samuel, like the, the father, and um, you have those ball hawk type guys who are also really good quarterbacks. They're just very different. And I think we're going to probably see that with Trayvon Diggs for the bulk of his career. And the other thing is that those guys like Ramsey and Trayvon Diggs and Patrick Peterson have this like rare ability to make those plays that other top corners don't. So when games are tight or they, you know, the team you can tell is just kind of hanging in the balance, they need to be, those guys tend to get a little bit more aggressive. 
And so for Trayvon, that could potentially put him in a bad situation where he just feels like he has to try and make a play because things just aren't going the Cowboys way in a game. And that can get you into trouble too. So there is a part of there's that balance that, yeah, we know you can make that play, but almost you got to do the boring thing sometimes and just stay in front of your guy and just take that guy away because that guy that you're on is their best receiver and you taking him away is already a huge advantage for us. But I understand, man, like when you watch some of the stuff that Trayvon Diggs is able to do, it's got to be hard for that guy to just be like, nope, my assignment is just to take this guy across the middle of the field, and we both know that no one's throwing to him, so I'll just go stand over here, and we're never going to, you know. And so there's a part of you that's like, okay, when 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 he crosses, I'm going to peel back, and I'm going to try and jump this route on the other side. And then when you don't do that, then you pay big time. And he's had those moments. So, yeah, he's got to get rid of those, but – as long as he makes the plays that he has made, I mean, you can't take the guy off the field. So there's uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, funny, funny coach, talking about how Micah is never going to get more sacks than him. Uh, or he, he says Micah is never going to beat him in sacks again. What a fun competition that! Like it, it's, I don't know if I could have imagined that in year two that Micah would already be outside of tank, like leader of the defense guy. And that feels like that's totally already happening, you know, and in cahoots with, with Tank, of course, but it kind of feels like we're, we're already trending that way, right? I think, that I, uh, real quick on that, I think that if you would have told me before that Micah is doing that, I would have said that's more as a result of the decline of the defense or the decline of Tank as opposed to the elevation of Micah, which is kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, it's funny. Yesterday, somebody asked me about, like, what's the strongest position group on this team? And I had a hard time just jumping to like what one stands out You can say quarterback because they have a franchise quarterback. But I was like, I don't know. Tell me whatever group Micah Parsons is lining up with. That's the is he, if he's a linebacker. It's the linebackers. If he's rushing the passer and he's playing up on the line, it's defensive line. You know, so he's young, healthier, and he moves all over the field. So because of all those things, I don't I don't see how Tank's going to get more sacks than him. I mean, he is their he is the centerpiece of that defense. Now, because of him and the, and the focus that opposing offenses are going to put on him, that could open things up for Tank to have a huge year. Maybe he finally gets back to double-digit sacks. But still, in the end, I just think that Micah Parsons is healthy, plays the full season. I mean, that's a guy that has a good chance to lead the entire league, much less the Cowboys in sacks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at his numbers like, just compared to how many pass rush attempts he got last year. Like you start to go like sacks per pass rush attempt and you're like, holy cow, Michael Barton's going to add a lot more. Um, and there's got to be a little bit of a feeling out process early on in the season because you're just like, yeah, if you're Dan Quinn, you're like, yeah, we've seen in, in OTAs and mini camp and training camp that Micah can do this. And even in preseason, I feel confident Micah can do this. It's another to start calling it a game. Now you have a full season of him doing it in games you can open up more things that you want Micah Parsons to do that you weren't going to do earlier in the season last year. So it would not surprise me at all if Micah Parsons' numbers are even better in year two. So you have Tank and then you have Micah Parsons, you know, rushing the passer and, and Micah Parsons doing a little bit of everything. Sam Williams, your second round pick added to the mix. And uh, I, I mean, what could, again, it's hard to tell in these yeah. types of things, but uh, any type of uh, any, any notes or observations from just uh, getting a good look at Sam Williams? I mean, he certainly looks the part. I mean, he looks the part of, of what you want from an elite defensive end, and he has those type of, you know, skills that you can tell the quick twitch, stuff like that, the speed off the edge. 
uh, again, looking faster because they aren't in full pads and things like that. So I don't know when I watch Sam Williams, I think for this year coming up, I'm not going to project what he's going to be because he might end up being a really good, maybe he's their next to Marcus Lawrence, but I just, when I see Sam Williams and I see Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler, if you tell me that DeMarcus Lawrence stays healthy and he has that left end spot locked down all season, how can't one of those other three, if not multiple of those other guys, do what Randy Gregory did and maybe even more at right defensive end, especially when you mix Mike in there as well, like, out of those guys over there, I feel like at least one of those guys is going to is going to play at a level where you're like, oh, damn, I didn't, you know, six, eight sacks. You know, that's pretty good. Like, let's, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's Fowler. Maybe it's Sam Williams. Maybe it's Dorrance. Maybe it's a combination of all of them. But I, I don't know. I kind of feel like watching OTAs and minicamp that they're not in as bad a shape at right defensive end as, as I probably was thinking when they didn't resign yeah. Randy. Yeah. Like when you spend a second round pick on that guy or – Quite frankly, when they paid DeMar- uh, Dorrance Armstrong a little bit more, you're kind of paying for that production. Uh, and if it's not right off the bat, that's fine. But you do kind of – I don't know if expect it is the word. But you're really hoping for that when you take a second-round pick uh, like that. But, you know, let's think about Dor- Dorrance Armstrong. They gave Dorrance Armstrong more money than I, than I thought they would. Right, yeah. Um, but so you know what else like, would be okay. great too for them is if if two of those guys step up – then all oh, of a sudden man. on third downs, you can have a Sam Williams at right defensive end. You can have Dante Fowler at left defensive end. You can move to Marcus Lawrence inside with, let's say, Osa, Chauncey Golson, one of those guys, Neville. And then you have Micah Parsons with them too. And you just have five monsters. And that's what their hope is, that they can they can develop that. So um, it'll be interesting because when they didn't resign Randy Gregory, I thought that that was really going to hurt them. And it still might, you know, I mean, the games have to be played, sure. but they have bodies right now that I feel like these guys stay healthy. There's enough talent there that they should be able to make up for the loss of Randy. Yeah. And I think I'm also interested just to see how they're utilized at that point too, because we always talk about quality over quantity with Rod Marinelli, for example, it was always just a full on rotation of just like, you know, you're just, you're just fleshing new bodies out there continuously. And I wonder if, you know, if you can get some guys that just show what they have and establish themselves as a presence, like obviously you're going to have situations, third downs, passing downs, rushing down, like goal line packages and stuff like that. But I'm just talking more from a regular standpoint. It would be nice if you can just have guys that you can depend on down in and down out. Uh, John, we uh, this show um, we've always had good uh, discussions about the kicker. How did my guy from Texas Tech, Jonathan Garibay, look? Because uh, I think if you went to any Cowboys fan on the street and said, "Who's your kicker right now?" I'm not, I don't think fifty percent would would be able to tell you. I would say the thing that stood out most. I mean, we didn't really see him kick too much in OTAs, but in mini camp they did some drills and things where they got into field goal range and he did kick. And it's just very clear he has a very strong leg. It's that's that's obvious. He was pretty accurate uh, early on. I think he went five for five. He missed one kick during team drills that I remember uh, missed it wide right. But for the most part, I mean, yeah, he looks the part. He looks like a guy that uh, I can see being their kicker. It's just a little surprising that they don't have another one on the roster right now because there's just no way that. And, and Mike McCarthy has said as much. I mean, they have to give competition on the team, so. He doesn't have any competition right now. So during OTAs and minicamp, a lot of it is standing off to the side with 
anger and McQuaid, you know, like there's just not a lot of work for him. And on top of it, they've been inside most. It's like, let's see, I want to see what he does outside. I want to see what he does in Oxnard where, you know, they put him in those situations where, you know, they do different team drills that end with, you know, a kick that could end practice and things like that. Let's see what he does there. And then obviously more importantly in the preseason and things like that. But yeah, if you told me Jonathan Garibay is their kicker all season and he's really solid, everything works out. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they have a revolving door kicker and they're bringing in free agents and it's just kind of not settled. And, you know, I, I, you got, I got used to my early time covering the team of Dan Bailey was the kicker and you're just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Dan Bailey yeah, on the next, what was it? Dan Bailey, Chris Jones, LP lettuce or, yep. We know special teams. Okay. Go on. To, I just, you know, right now we don't know that for sure. That, that's a l- little bit more of a question mark there until, uh, you kind of figure that out. And so, I'm interested to see what free agent they're going to bring in because they have to bring in somebody for some competition. They're just not going to have one kicker in training camp. So uh, as of right now, Garibay, uh, it looks like he's going to be your week one kicker, and I guess they'll go from there. Have faith, everyone. This Garibay kid can kick. Never forget that I told you that. Um, <laughs> Marked it down. It's just... So Jason Garrett gets the job on Sunday Night Football. Was that a shocker to you? Because uh, I actually had a big bet on uh, the show I do on uh, on 97.1 The Eagle, Ben and Skin Show. We talked about it for a minute, and Ben and Skin thought I was crazy for thinking that Garrett actually is going to be pretty good at this. No, I, I, I tweeted right away that I think he's going to be pretty good at this because, you know, it, it to me it just depends on what approach he takes to it because if he's going to be the podium Jason Garrett, I think he's going to suck. And if he's going to be the walk-off Jason Garrett, I think he'll be pretty good. And I think I think at this point he has that that ability to be the guy that he kind of has been more in walk-offs and stuff with being able to give some more honest assessments and analysis. I don't think he's going to like be just, you know, Charles Barkley spectacular or anything like that. But I do think he'll be better than what a lot of people think that he'll be. Yeah, no, I mean, there's just no way he would ever be Shaq and Barkley. Um he would he that's why he he would talk that way in the walk-offs because i think i felt like he wanted you to see that hey i'm not just the guy that's on the podium and this is kind of how i am with the guys behind the scenes and stuff like that i don't think he'll ever get complete walk-off jason garrett talking on, on whether you're talking calling notre dame games or you're talking in that studio show so i was a little surprised just because i feel like there's always this player that's you know a future hall of famer that just retired or something that they could fill those spots with and so you know to give it to jason garrett i mean one it also shows you just the importance of if you can have any type of long career with the dallas cowboys your name is just out there so people will you know kind of always you know you'll be in on their mind at least and that's half the battle on those type of jobs but uh yeah so i don't know i just i've I've listened to some of his usfl games you know he's solid um but I don't know. I didn't think Romo was going to have the success he did. So what do I know? Do um, he's not doing he's not doing color, is he? He's doing studio show, right? I think for the Notre Dame games, he's going to be doing color. I think it's going to be him and Jack Collins. Oh, cool! That'll be great. And I know to a lot of people that'll be like, "Yeah, it's college football. Who cares?" But I'm telling you, like that Notre Dame thing on NBC. That's they take that real serious. I think that's Jason how you Garrett, get like Mike Chirico and those guys call. Jason Garrett games. would be a way better color commentator than studio analyst, in my opinion. I think. Uh, <laughs> well, for me, maybe, I, I just and, and maybe I just think that NBC show is so middle ground. Like they, you know, it's so basic. Like he's not he's not going to have any big takes on that thing. You know, he didn't it, have it, any it, big it, takes in his USFL coverage though either. 
Well, I mean, he's going to be able to talk about defenses and players and stuff, at least a little bit more detailed. Like that was a bad play or whatever. I feel like um, we'd have more opportunity to see his personality maybe if he was uh, yeah. maybe instead of like the little four minute hits that they do, you know, and then they got to right. go to commercial and he gets one point yeah. in about this you know, guy's outstanding. Dude, yeah, yeah I mean, that's a fast moving show with 15 people. I mean, I love it. Tony anyway, Dungy. Rather, Tony Dungy doesn't say crap. On TV. Exactly. That's why I think Jason's going to be good, actually. I think a part of the reason I think Jason would be good is he's going to be next to a bump on a log. No offense to Tony Dungy. Probably a great guy. <laughs> that yeah. sounded Terrible. pretty offensive. That, I know. I was like, you can't just say that and say no offense. You can't say a bump on a log? Is no. That, like, it doesn't add time-y? much. I mean, it doesn't add much for me. I'm no, 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 I'm saying you guy, can, yeah. but you can't say no offense after that. I mean, there, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't disagree with your assessment, but KT, yes. KT, come on, man. The phrase like a bump on a log describes someone who is greatly inactive, and that's how I would describe Tony Dungy. The mistake you made, the mistake you made is not the bump in the log yeah it's that you said the no uh, n- not no offense after if you say it before <laughs> you can say whatever you want after you just have to say no offense and then say something real wild after you said it but, after so so, so i was offended to- at first you know and it was hard to take it back but if you say it first then i i'll be i'll be prepped you know he's next to the guy that offers nothing on that show um I, I just love too. it when Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen play football. That's a good take. Um, but also, he's replacing Drew Brees, who was worse than Witten was at this job. Now, granted, Witten wasn't in the studio, but just the TV broadcasting, Drew Brees was worse than Jason Witten. Like, Drew Brees even like had to jokingly throw out, like, I might go play football again. Who knows? That's an interesting uh, no, no. thing they about there cut, with, with former so players weird. and – Getting into broadcasting, I mean, maybe it's a conversation for another day, but, you know, it's always said like Aikman was the most boring guy when he played and with the media. And then he gets on TV and is this great broadcaster, whereas I'm sure Drew Brees and Jason Witten, we know for sure Jason Witten, just the most engaging person you've ever come across at the locker and can tell you stories. You stand there for an hour, listen to him talk, and then he gets on camera and it doesn't work. I mean, it's well, just, there's no, there's no formula for this. Right. And for Jason, to defend Jason Witten and Drew Brees, you know, even in Troy's situation, he didn't get thrown in the number one booth right away right. where everybody was going to be. And then the other thing is like, who was the who was the quarterback that was come before them that everybody was going to compare him to? They're going to compare Troy Aikman to John Madden. Who cares? What was the comparison? John Madden never played football at that level. He wasn't winning Super Bowls like that. So uh, there were there wasn't those type of comparisons that you get today to where it's like Jason Witten sucks because he's not what we thought Tony Romo was. And Drew Brees is not predicting plays or being funny like Peyton Manning is, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's just a lot more comparison that goes on now. So I think that really the path that Jason Garrett has taken is probably the one that a lot more of these guys should do because, you know, even before he got in back in, into coaching, Jason Garrett had done some, uh, uh, what was it? It was the NFL. It was an NFL Europe. It was like a world league thing. But anyway, Fox had, coverage of that and he was doing some of that stuff before he even got back into coaching so broadcasting was always something he wanted to do so then you get him over get him on the usfl people some people will watch but mainly it'll only be for the first like week or so and then let him kind of build up and and kind of get get some you know get get a get a little bit of uh i guess a rhythm going whereas jason witten game one he's being decided like 
is this guy going to be as good as Nance and Romo? And you're just like, well, he's with Joe Tessitore. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that good. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think Witten would have been would have been fine. Yeah. If he had give, been given a chance to maybe develop his skills a little more before being uh, thrown in the fire. But yeah. Maybe I remember I the ESPN guy. Tuck, I, I was ESPN totally wrong on like, that. I thought he was going to be great. but I did too. Yeah. yeah. And maybe he still is, but maybe he didn't enjoy it, you know, because yeah. to, to go to high school football coaching after that, as opposed to being like, yeah, just take me off my football, but put me on like some other NFL games on Fox, which certainly mm-hmm. Fox would have done. He might not have liked the process of it. He might not have liked the way everything, you know, he was like, yeah, this might, might not be for me, you know. Yeah, yeah it, it is kind of interesting how retire what players. That? Yeah, yeah he was like, I'd rather go rather play, play for the for Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's interesting because one of my like I've always said Troy Aikman's one of my favorites right now, and then like one of the most underrated for me is Daryl Johnston. I think he's really good too, and I'm just like I don't know exactly what makes a guy appealing in that way, but but I don't know. I, I, mean, think, I think Moose. Is I'm, one of the I'm most sorry, underrated like cover the commentators of his generation. I think Moose I'm sorry, is incredible. I'm sorry, and never gets we, a chance. When you see the money that's being thrown out there, we're just talking about the top job. I'm not talking about being able to call NFL games. There's plenty of Fox games. A lot of them are involving the Detroit football lions that you can put anybody on there and whatever. But when you see the money that some of these top guys are getting, I'm sorry, but I'm setting the bar real high. And so for me, you better be able to come close to Peyton Manning. Cause to me, Peyton Manning is the man. Like he is the goat at that stuff. Like, I just think that, I don't know, like, I love I love Troy too. I agree with you. I think he's great on, on games. Uh, you know, and Tony is obviously uh, does his thing. But I think Peyton Manning is my like. They come to me and they're like, the money's not an option. We just want you to put the number one guy in the seat. We'll pay him whatever it takes. You know, we'll we'll give him uh, Saudi golf league money. I would be <laughs> like, you give it to Peyton Manning. What's going to be I mean, funny is if is. Tom Brady sucks. I, I don't think he will. But if I don't think if he, he does, they he's going to be four hundred million. He'll, he'll be good, man. Like good. if you listen, if you listen to his podcast and stuff, yeah, they did funny. with Gray. He, he's got like he's funny. He's good. He's going to be good. The, the he was good. He was good in New England, even in like media stuff up until uh, Deflategate. Deflategate absolutely, for lack of a better term, deflated him. Like I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just he just became so standoffish and everything because he felt everyone was. But like Brady can actually be really good. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, I mean, yeah, again, if we're going to the live tour golf uh, wages, I mean, the, yeah, the ultimate booth is is Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. There's just no question about that. And and I'm and I'm talking like they can call baseball games if they want basketball, <laughs> whatever. Like I would I would <laughs> sure. listen to those guys do well, any of them. Obviously, football would be preferred. Yeah, I'm all set, dude. I'm on big. Big Eli fan over here. I think Eli <laughs> is serious? incredible. One of the funniest people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Watch his SNL episode. I think Eli is pretty good. So honestly. funny. I think he's okay, but he's playing he, pranks he's on, all his, on all his teammates. Just legend. Total legend. Yeah. Love he, Eli. He's an acquired taste. I can't even watch, imagine watching that Manning cast if it was Eli and Cooper. Like I, when he, when they showed the guy with the big helmet at the cowboy game and he was like, Peyton, that looks like you're, that would fit you, you know, like that. He's freaking funny, man. He's so much funnier on his feet than, than Peyton is in my opinion. I think Eli would struggle in a, in a game environment. Wait, hold on, back this up. You think Eli's funnier than Peyton Manning? Oh yeah. Put him, put him in a sketch or something. I'm, I'm way, I'm way, you you already messed up. You already messed up because you brought up Saturday Night Live. Peyton Manning's uh, Saturday Night Live is way better than Eli's. When he's throwing that football, elderly butts, come on, amazing. It's one of the best Saturday Night Live skits I've ever seen. Well, that would have been a funny skit with Eli though. 
I think Tom Brady tops it. You just need to go find the Tom Brady uh, workplace sexual harassment tape sketch. Oh, I've seen Tom that. Tom yeah, Brady yeah. is a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that, yeah. all pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, man. Good. You know, who, I'm trying to think. Of, Dak, would Dak be good on Saturday Night Live? They, the not, ultimate, not on Saturday Night Live. The biggest fail is the fact that they didn't have Dirk on when they – Mavs won the ch- the title. That would have been the that would have been awesome. I think Dirk would have been yeah. great on SNL. I just think Summertime, the reason why Peyton Manning they were, they were is off. is funnier than all those other guys is because like like Tom Brady is this like good looking dude that has everything, the model wife and everything. Like Peyton Manning's like a dorky like nerdy dude. He plays into that, but then he has this sense of humor that you would never expect out of the guy. That the way he was as a player, you know, so meticulous about these little things. You know, the way he the way he was as a player is boring. You know, and then when he yeah. gets on TV, calls games, goes on Saturday Night Live, his sense of humor is just like you would never see that coming from somebody like him. Yeah, I also think Peyton doesn't have to try to be funny. Like he, he just kind of it just kind of comes naturally to him. Right. But I think that was also kind of true in his playing days. He just hit it well. I mean, one of my favorite, like that that Broncos oh, up dance. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, but do you remember the Broncos dance with him and like Wes Welker? Like oh, yeah, that, yeah. A, a peek into kind of like what he's like behind the scenes, like a small thing. Like he doesn't care. Like he knows he looks stupid, but he'll be he he's fine doing that. Somebody I, I, wrote I think a story right. about about Eli when he retired and all the stuff he did behind the scenes, all the jokes and stuff. And I was just like, this guy. <laughs> it, oh my it God. Maybe in the yeah, athletic, they, but like when he. It, when he's the, on the that Manning cast, to, his eyes are half closed, and you're just kind of like, "How much he's did this not guy the, smoke the, before it's this It's Peyton's thing? job like, to host it. He is just—I don't know, man. He reminds me of a of of a, of a media member Peyton is, that I'll I tell you guys later. More, I'm not like, going to share on this like page, straight, but straight it's not down somebody that you'd ever be I mean, like. You kind of oh know what God, you're going to get with Peyton, you know. I think Eli just flies under the radar. The unpredictability, the kind of the weird, kind of the weird guy, you know, doesn't have to be Peyton Manning, so he can. Do his he own is. thing. I, I I don't know. Whatever. I think who's, he's underrated. Who's next, who's next after he, he Robin? He gets way too much hate. When it's Batman and Robin, who's the next person after Robin? Whoever that person is, that's who Eli Manning is. And obviously, Peyton is Batman. Well, the, so Amazon just did. Oh, we'll, we'll be quick here. And sorry, this is a good hard-hitting Cowboys talk. Uh, but uh, on Amazon, so they, they did the whole uh, Al Michaels. And then, uh, you know, the, I don't have a problem with Kirk Herbstreet. I just don't understand why Herbstreet right. has to be the guy. Like, I just feel like he does enough with the college stuff. Let's just have him. Like, you could get anyone. Like, Kurt Warner does a really good job doing games. But I did like that they hired a Richard Sherman if he chooses not to play. So, on right. the pregame show on Amazon Thursday night, it's going to be Carissa Thompson. Tony Gonzalez is your straight man. And then Richard Sherman. And then they've had conversations with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I feel like he could probably be good at something like that. Uh, conversations... Uh, there's already conversation with Marshawn Lynch being being had about it doing kind of a Marshawn cast. You're going to see some people trying to knock off the Manning cast. But Richard Sherman's a very smart guy, and I think he's an interesting name. But I kind of was like, man, I feel like he could do more than just be studio guy. I feel like he could immediately go get one of those jobs. I mean, maybe not the top job at, at the network yet, and that's well, a very prestigious job now, this Thursday night Amazon gig. I, just, I, was, I was like, man, why are we just giving Herb Street a job? Like, I like Herbie fine, but like, are we just handing him that job too? He's got enough jobs. Well, and I can see Richard Sherman working well on games too because, and probably the reason why I like Manning maybe more than you guys do is because when I'm watching these games, and this is another thing that Jason Garrett will not do, 
I like when a coach, I mean, when, when the former player will say something like, I, I mean, you just can't do that right now. I don't know what they're doing out yeah. there. That's just uncalled for. Peyton Manning Peyton does it all Manning the time. Would do it. Peyton does Manning it does it all the time. All the and, time. <laughs> and, and, and Richard Sherman, I mean, he, what did Peyton Manning do with uh, with Mike McCarthy, bringing it back to the Cowboys real quick? Remember, he dis- completely disagreed with something to the point where I, because I remember we asked McCarthy about it. Oh, man, it's going to bother me now. It was about a time. It was about clock management. It was, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Time at yeah. the end of the game. Yeah, like, imagine and, that. And he was just blatantly he's like, "Hey, man, I love Mike, but you cannot do that in this situation." And most of these guys, like Romo, doesn't do that. Um, uh, Eli Manning would not do that. Uh, Jason Garrett will not do that. Jason Witten would not do that. Uh, Richard Sherman will do that. Guys, the the season ended. If you remember, on a clock management. Fumble. Oh, that's right. All right, don't bring it down. We were Wait, doing good. No. We were all uplifted. Whoa, his mini no, camp was going great. No. Everyone looks great out there. The Peyton Manning one was uh was against the Eagles in that first in that first month where he was like Mike McCarthy wouldn't call timeout like oh, at the end right. of the first yeah, half. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Peyton's like, call timeout, like yeah. what are you doing? And he was mad about it. He was he was, <laughs> he was so visibly mad. angry about it. He said like, <laughs> like yeah, what are you McCarthy doing? McCarthy was telling him like he was like, I talked to him an hour ago and he said he yep. wouldn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So good. Well, uh, we'll be back when we're back. I don't know uh, how to tell you any more than that. We've uh, got Father John Mashota, though, uh, on the beat. And if there's anything huge emergency-wise happens, we'll obviously be here for you. Um, good to see Sod again. Sod, good job covering the stars all year. And uh, and our man Kent Garrison just back there holding it down. Um, Kent, you're in charge. Like, When's the next episode? Uh, July. You figure it out? We'll do one, uh, I think, the first week of July. Maybe right before the uh, break, uh, oh, something when, like when that. Schultz signs Maybe that contract. Right after the break. <laughs> ah, yeah, good point. First, first week of July, and then we'll uh, we'll be back, kind of regular schedule at the end of July. So look for some sporadic cool. episodes here over the next four weeks, and then uh, we'll be back to two per week, pretty much uh, for the rest of the season. So make sure you're subscribed, Ooh. and uh, theathletic.com/slash about them cowboys for the ad free version, as always. Yeah, and, and follow us on uh, social media. We're all there to, to talk to you whenever. It's uh, at John Machota, M-A-C-H-O-T-A, at Saad, S-A-A-D. Now, are you a underscore guy? No, just no. Yusuf126. Okay, Saad, S-A-A-D, Yusuf, Y-O-U-S-U-F, 126. Kent, you're just a straight Kent Garrison just, guy too, Kent right? Kent Garrison, yeah. I'm, I'm old school. I was um, yeah, Kent one of the Walt first. Garrison. I probably wouldn't have done that, you know, if if I I don't like that it's my name. How do you feel about it, John? Oh, I wish I would. Well, I I wish mine would just be at Mashoda or just something smaller because when John Mashoda's next to each other, like the N and M just looks like it's just I don't know. It just it looks stupid. Oh. Okay. I wish I would have gotten in yeah, so early, early that I could have gotten at J-O-N. I just think my name is super boring. Yeah, but like John, what you can do. Names. He has KT fun tweets. So like, come on. That's oh, do the, do the uh, capitalize it? Yeah, just capitalize yeah. it. You know, Dak ended up buying his uh, off of somebody. Because Dak used at to Dak? be, yeah, because his used to be like at Dak, I think underscore 15 or something like that when he was at Mississippi State. At and Dak. someone already had at Dak, and, and I think he had a, I think he bought it off of him. Hey, I never hey, understood. In five years, the, I'll um, give you twenty million dollars for it. Just give me five years, and I'll right. give you a lot of money for it. <laughs> I never, I never understood why the uh, Cowboys' socials always lowercase everything. 
like Dallas Cowboys on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dallas yeah. Cowboys on Twitter. Yeah. Just, no, I no, yeah. I was because when you when Twitter first started out, that was what everybody did. <laughs> yeah, everybody had everything lowercase, and so people just kind of like left it that way. I think back when you could talk to Ben Stiller on Twitter, I yeah, remember and, those days. And uh, what's his name? The first people I remember being on there were uh, uh, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore. I uh, I, uh, I accidentally yeah. tweeted Chris Pratt one time, didn't know who he was, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, an experience. And what did he say? Uh, he started calling me Mr. Garrison from South Park uh, or something. How did and, you not save these tweets and make these your best? Oh, he deleted them. Like, oh. as soon as he, and, and then he said, like, okay. And then I replied and was like, that's not Mr. Garrison. That's Mr. Mackey. And then he deleted everything <laughs> once I called him out. Yeah, on this, yeah, South this, Park you got to screen grab that stuff and I didn't know who he and, was. Oh, my replies are probably there. He deleted his his tweets. I'm sure he could find them somewhere. And then he became search my name and Chris Pratt's name. Yeah, search movie star. I had no idea who he was. Never seen. Had never seen Parks and Rec. I thought it was just some dude on Twitter. You know, there was no like verified accounts and crap. That back then it was a it was a uh, wild west. Oh yeah, I know we're leaving. Uh, Movie guy Kent though. Uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth comes out on Apple on Friday. And uh, a skin, or skin uh, Mavericks broadcast, obviously the Ben and Skin Show. It's his nephew Cooper is the uh, lead man in the movie and uh, director, writer, stars in the movie. Wow. Dakota Johnson's in it. I saw an advanced screening. The movie's incredible. Uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth out in theaters. I heard and, he's uh, doing on a, Apple um, Plus on Friday. I heard he's doing a gangster doing, movie with David Harbour. He's right? doing the hockey, the hockey story, the hockey gangster story with David Harbor, uh, Trashers. He's going to direct that too. That's great. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted a quick plug for for uh, for yeah, friend of the show, Cooper. Cooper's, Cooper's, yeah, he's Frank Cooper's family. I mean, come on. Um, so yeah, Cha Cha Real Smooth, go see it, and uh, just everyone, be safe out there, be nice to each other, and uh, we'll see Stay you cool. soon. This has been about the Cowboys. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.